While I was up in Wisconsin, I was able to talk with another pastor up there. And he told me that Ecclesiastes was his least favorite book in the Bible. You know, it's, uh, It sounds impious, I know, to say something like that, but pastors admit these things to each other. I don't know what my least favorite book in the Bible is, but I promise you, if you have a favorite book of the Bible, then you probably have a least favorite too. It's, it's not impious. Typically, it means that it's something that you don't understand, right? Or that you do understand and it makes you mad. Well, that got Ecclesiastes into my mind, and when it came time to think about what to preach on this week, this passage popped into my mind, this famous passage, there is an appointed time for everything, a time for this, a time for that, and it goes through listing many things that it's a time for, of course, <clears throat> there's the uh, song that's been running through my head this morning. Turn everything, turn, 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 there is a season. You know that one, right? It's, it's about this, well, I mean, it, it's, uh, I don't know the words well enough to uh, sing it, but it, it takes bits and pieces of this, a time to give birth, a time to die, and, and then adds its own craziness on top of it. <clears throat> Not really a good song, but since I know it, it's been running through my head as we read this. So I want to tell you a little story. Months and months ago, possibly years ago at this point, our microwave in our kitchen, which is built into our cabinets above our stove. The, uh, the handle, the bottom of it, came loose. Whoop. That's a problem. Because when you go to open the microwave, you don't want to pull on a loose handle, right? You don't want it to come off in your hand. You want it to open. And our microwave, as most do, has a nice solid click. Right? you got to really give it some force to pull it open. So I thought about what to do. And of course, one of the things you could do is get a new microwave, right? But it's built into the cabinets. And it vents to the outside. Let's be real. This is a project. So I glued it. I glued it with... Um, uh, a black epoxy. Didn't work, didn't look very good on our um, cream-colored microwave handle, but it held for a while. And then it came loose again. So I glued it again with super glue. This time I had to actually take it apart and remove the screw from the broken piece of plastic so I could glue that back together and Screw it all back together again. And that held for a while, and then it broke again. And 
This time the top part was all cracked and it was hanging by a thread, right? And I kept looking at it, trying to figure out what I was going to do. There was no way to glue it anymore. And so I left it for weeks. And every time I went to grab the handle, you had to remember, oh, got to reach underneath and get a hold of that crack with your fingernails and yank it open. Because if you didn't, you were going to grab that floppy handle and it was just going to break off. And then one day, somebody decided to tear that Band-Aid off and ripped that handle right off. Who needs a useless handle on a microwave that you're constantly forgetting and trying to grab? So, that was the end of the handle. There is a time to repair, and there is a time to throw away. And it was time to throw away that handle. Now, I could have thrown away the microwave, but I didn't. I made a new little handle of wood and screwed it in, and it's great. A lot less of a project than replacing the microwave. Now, why do I tell you this story? Little, little picture into our life of, I don't know how long it was since the first, it's probably been two years since the first time that handle broke. <clears throat> you have these things in your life that are broken. Sometimes they're physical objects that you need and it's, you put up with the broken nature. Sometimes the things in your life that are broken are your habits. Sometimes the things that are broken in your life are the situation of your life. There's a lot of things that can be wrong, messed up, broken in various ways. And pastors have been known to refer to this as a broken world and that everyone has brokenness, right? Well, that's true insofar as it goes. Um, but there is something much deeper than brokenness that's wrong. There's sin. Brokenness implies microwave handle. Things break. They fall apart. They wear out, right? Brokenness implies no guilt, just things aren't quite right. Sin implies something totally different, right? Sin tells us, oh, I did wrong, I shouldn't have, it was my fault, I'm guilty. There's a lot wrapped up in that word, sin. Well, there is an appointed time for everything. And if you are giving yourself to sin, 
it is time to repent. Now is that time. The Bible is full of reminders that now is always the time for that. Until it's too late. And when it's too late, you can't do it anymore. So what is it time for here today? When we face choices, when we're pushed to make a decision, is it time to repair or is it time to replace? When you're finally forced to make a decision, what is it time for, right? There's a lot of conflicting pressures that come into those kinds of decisions. And that's the same with sin and repentance. When, when, when called out on your sin, you've got two choices, right? You can confess it and repent, or you can double down. It's never time to double down in sin. But the temptation is there, and that's the danger of placing in front of people an ultimatum. That's the danger of pressing people on decisions. Make a decision. It's always a scary thing to do that because you never know what decision they might make, right? And it's so easy for us to justify continuing headlong into sin. When we face decisions, the question before us has to go through some sort of decision filter, right? You've got to decide what's good input coming into that decision, and what's bad input coming into that decision. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, when, when we make bacon. I love bacon grease on my eggs. I cook my eggs in bacon grease every morning. Eggs aren't tasteless when they're made in bacon grease. Good stuff. But you know what I don't want? I don't want all the burned junk that's also in the pan with the bacon grease when you're done cooking bacon. So what I do is I pour it through a paper towel. And that only lets the, the grease through and it keeps all of the little bacon burned stuff. And then I can cook my eggs in bacon grease. Works great. It's a filter. We do the same thing with our decisions. What do we want as the outcome? That determines what filter we use, right? And when we want the wrong thing as the outcome, we can come up with really great filters to give us just what we want as an answer of what we should do. 
Some of you would say, well, bacon grease is obviously the wrong outcome. You shouldn't be wanting to consume more bacon grease. It's terrible for you. I don't know whether it is or not. I just like it. But what do you want? What are you using as your priority, as your end goal? What is it time for in your life? See, that reveals, your your answer to that question reveals what's most important to you. What is it time for? And we're very quick to answer that question with, what I want right now is. Instead of, what God has called me to right now is this. We answer it with, what I want right now is this. You see, but there is a time, an appointed time, for everything. There's a time to give birth, and there's a time to die, and those are very, very different things, aren't they? For some of us right now, it's time to wait. Wait. Do you kids like when your parents tell you to wait? I got a couple of, got a couple of answers. Slow shakes of the head. No, <laughs> I see that. Mm-mm. <laughs> we don't like waiting, do we? Nobody likes waiting. I'm hungry. Wait. I'm thirsty. You need to wait. What are we called to wait for? For some of us, it's time to wait for kids. For others of us, it's time to wait for vacation. I'm waiting for a vacation right now. I just took one, but I'm still waiting. Maybe it's time to wait for a new job. Maybe it's time to wait for a spouse. Maybe it's time to wait for an answer from the Lord. We don't know what the answer is. And so we wait on Him. For others of us, it's time to take action. To no longer wait, but to move. These kinds of questions are appropriate for us to think at the start of the year. What it reveals almost always is that there's something we should do, right? There's something that we need to give ourselves to. It all leads to working at what God has given us to do. 
working at it. Even waiting requires working at it, doesn't it? Waiting means working at patience. Waiting means working at trusting God. Waiting means knowing what the sign is for us to start, right? If we have any control over it at all. And preparing for that. Waiting is still work. So if there's an appointed time for everything, and you have this list, birth, death, planting, uprooting, killing, healing, tearing down, building up, weeping, laughing, mourning, dancing, throwing stones or gathering stones, embracing or shunning, embracing, searching, give up is lost. That could easily have been my illustration that I started with. You look and look and look and look and look for something and you finally realize, I have wasted so much time looking, it is past time to give up looking as lost, right? Time to keep and a time to throw away. I threw away the handle. It was no longer time to keep it. It was past time to throw it away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Now, you could go through and you could talk about each one of these and what those times might be, right? But that's really not the point of this whole passage. Of each one of those verses, sure, we could, we could preach a whole sermon on a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace, right? There is a lot to be learned from that, that there actually is a time to hate. We could, we could dive into each one of these, but as, taken as a whole, this list that's all thrown together just back to back to back to back to back, all these things that there's time for and on the opposite ends of the spectrum, what this reveals to us is the, how far apart our choices really are at times. To keep searching versus to give up as lost. Those are opposites, right? The choices before us are really totally different roads. Which one are you going to take? You can't stay and go. You can't seek and give up. Which one are you doing, right? And then verse 9, what profit is there to the worker from that in which he toils? Now the point of this, you, you see this all through Ecclesiastes. 
okay, this, this question being asked, what in the world is the point? What in the world is the point of life if you've got these, you know, it's time for this or time for that, and they're totally opposite? Let me keep reading here. I have seen the task which God has given the sons of men with which to occupy themselves. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He's returning to that first verse. There is an appointed time for everything, right? He's saying, you know, everyone's at this particular point in their life. They've got choices. They've got things they're supposed to be doing. God is the one who's given the sons of men these tasks. He has made everything appropriate in its time. He has also set eternity in their heart, yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. This is beautiful little verse there where Setting eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? First time you actually comprehend eternity, maybe in math class or maybe some other place, you realize, you realize the infinite. And, and it's kind of a shocking thought, right? And yet we're able to comprehend it a little bit. It's been set in our hearts. Eternity has been set in our hearts. And, and yet, we only comprehend it enough to realize that we don't comprehend it. Right? That we can't understand that God is and always has been and always will be. It's, it's amazing that what God is doing is so astronomically huge that we can't ever comprehend it. Could we give our whole lives to studying it the way Solomon did? Right? As he's writing this book. And, and he realizes, oh yeah, I mean, there's eternity. God's given it to us. It's in our hearts. But what does it reveal to us? Well... We're not going to find out the work which God has done from the beginning to the end, are we? <laughs> Sometimes we feel like that's what we have to do in order for us to make a decision on what time it is. If only I knew exactly what God's plan was from all eternity to all eternity, from the beginning to the end, then I could know what I'm supposed to do now. What time is it? If I really knew what God was doing, then I could make a decision. But what does, what does Solomon drive us to? He says, verse 12, I know there is nothing better for them than to rejoice and do good in one's lifetime. Moreover, that every man who eats and drinks sees good in all his labor. It is the gift of God. 
So what does he tell us to do about the work that we've been given, including the work of deciding, is it time to throw away or is it time to keep? He says rejoice in it. Is it time to wait? Rejoice in that. Is it time to end a relationship? Rejoice in that. Is it time to start a relationship? Rejoice in that. The work that God has given you to do, you're to rejoice in it. Why? Verse 13 says, because you get to eat and drink if you do the work. Now what he's saying is very, very simple. If you don't go to the store and buy groceries and cook the food, which is all work, you won't have anything to eat. Right? And so if you do the work, then... Happy, happy, joy, joy, you get to eat dinner. And so does everybody else. And that's something worth rejoicing in, isn't it? You get the fruit of your labors. That's what he's talking about, if you do it. And it's not just going to the grocery store and buying the food and cooking it, right? It's also going to the office and earning the money to buy the food to cook it. If you don't, you don't eat. And so... It's this really simple thing that Solomon's pointing out to us that work is satisfying and worth rejoicing in because of the fruit that comes out of it. And this is the simplest kind of fruit, right? You get to eat and drink. And so you see good in all your labor because you see the fruit of it, right? You see the outcome. And it's what you get to consume, for example. But sometimes, it's hard to rejoice in our work, isn't it? Sometimes it's hard to rejoice and keep doing good, especially if you don't see the good in all your labor. Now, Some of you have jobs where you think, yeah, I don't see the good in my labor, right? But can I point out to you that it pays you money and say that that's a good in your labor? That's a good part of your job, isn't it? Now, if you want to press me further and further and further and say, well, what about a slave? Slave doesn't get paid. Right? I say, but do they get to eat and drink? And you can keep pressing me further. You can say, well, what if, what if a wicked man is the slave owner and, and they're making life miserable and they're, they're withholding food and water? Or what about, what about my waiting? I'm not getting anything. I'm just waiting. I don't see the fruit in my labor. Or 
that inclination that we have to push back and say, I can't rejoice in my work. There's, it, it's not producing anything worthwhile in this world. It's, it's meaningless. It's useless. It's pointless. I think that's easy for us to think in our age. Certainly it was easy for Solomon to think that way. But let me ask you why you think there's no point to your labor, to the tasks that God has given you. Maybe it's because it's time for a change. And that there is something new and different you should begin. It's no longer time for you to be searching. It's time for you to give up searching and move on to something else. If you are continuing in stubbornly in tasks that it's not time for you to do anymore, right? If you're leaving the broken microwave handle up there, thinking that you're going to fix the handle, it's unfixable, right? Well, yeah, that's pointless. So if you think that's pointless, yep, it is. So I'm not going to say you're just wrong if you think your work that God has given you is pointless. I'm just going to say, wait, that last little bit that God has given you is the key. What work has God given you? If it is the work that God has given you, then it is not pointless. If it's time for you to move on, then yeah, don't stick around. It's time to move on. It's time to leave. But much, much more commonly, we want to be done with our work. We feel that it is empty and meaningless. Not because it's time for a change, but because we are dissatisfied, unable to be satisfied, impatient, and we have believed a lie. We've bought into some lie somewhere. And there's a lot of different lies that can make us think that continuing to do good, hard work is pointless. Okay? The lie might be that God can't use you in your current work or state. That he couldn't possibly have any good fruit to come from you continuing in your current state or in your current labor. It might be that you have bought into the lie that you're meant for greater things. We all are, right?
why should I throw my life away raising children? I could be saving Africa, right? Why should I? I'm, I'm, I'm made for greater things. Or it might be that you think that if you don't accomplish something big in the world's eyes that you're throwing your, wife, your, your life away. There are a lot of ways for us to buy into things that the world has said, you know, that you must seek your dreams, for example. And if you, don't, if you haven't reached your dreams, if you're not actually actively running after them, then what are you doing? There's a time to run after your dreams. You know what else? There's a time to stop running after your dreams. That might be hard. The world says there's never a time to stop running after your dreams. The world's wrong. Don't believe the world's lies. Why do you think there's no point to the work God's given you to do? And by the way, most of you in this room, the work God has given you to do is school. Does it feel pointless to you? Do you struggle to see the reason to continue? Do you rejoice in it? Oh, that's a lot harder than saying, oh, I see the point. <laughs> yeah, I get the point. Okay, good. Then rejoice in the work that God has given you to do. You couldn't ask for anything better than to have clear answer before you. You've got to go to school. You've got to learn. You've got to work hard. Okay, great. I know what I'm supposed to do. I'll do it. I'll do it joyfully. Parents, your kids don't need any help being grumpy about doing their work, right? You know this. But I will tell you, they do need help learning to be joyful about the work. They need to be reminded to be joyful. But most of all, they need to see you being joyful and cheerful in giving yourself to the labors that God has given you. So you can at least not be a bad example to them. Maybe the reason that you think that the work God has given you to do is pointless is because like the author of Ecclesiastes, you have begun to see the meaninglessness or vanity of everything that people seem to think is so important. And this often happens as you get older and look around and you see everybody running so hard, stressed out so much. For what? You know, you begin to realize, what? There's millions of people Billions of people 
And they're all, they're all doing. Doing and doing and, and working and going. And it's like having a little glimpse of eternity, right? Sometimes just sit there and watch the traffic go by and have your mind boggled by how many people there are. He has set eternity in your heart. And so you feel the great emptiness and shortness of this life. The repetitiveness of verse 15. That which is, has been already. And that which will be, has already been. It's all repetitive, isn't it? A million people driving this way. A million people driving that way. Weird. Verse continues, Yet so that man will not find out the work which God has done from the beginning even to the end. Turns out that God is working His will in your life. God is working your life into His plan. He's accomplishing it. This is such a good thing for us to remember. You don't get to see from beginning to end what he's accomplished and what he's accomplishing. You have eternity in your heart, yes. But you don't get to know all of God's providence and plan, do you? But what he does is sure. What he builds will last. Verse 14, I know that everything God does will remain forever. There is nothing to add to it, and there's nothing to take away from it. That stands in stark contrast to there is a time for everything, and then putting the both, right? There's a time to add to God's will, and there's a time to take away from God's will. There's a time to add to God's plan and a time to take away from God's plan. No. There's not. There is nothing to add to it and nothing to take from it. For God has so worked that men should fear him. What he builds will last. Psalm 127 starts out, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. So yeah, your work might feel pointless. If you're found to be fighting with God, it's vain, isn't it? It's all meaningless and empty because God's going to accomplish His plan right over top of yours, and yours will just get squashed out of the way 
like a giant steamroller. And that, that's a fearful thought, right? That God's will is like a steamroller? He's going to accomplish it. It's a sure bet. Nothing can get in his way. You can't add to it. You can't take away from it. God doesn't need us to accomplish his, to accomplish his will, but he's chosen to use us. Can you imagine? What a glorious thing. And so there's a time for you to work. And there's a time for you to rest. There's a time for you to throw away and a time to gather. There's a time for all these things and God has given you work to do this coming year. Do you know what it is? Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a long-standing guilty conscience about something and it's like, this is the year. Okay? Good, you know what work you're supposed to do. Do it. That's great. But regardless, can you imagine? The steamroller's going to use you. God, in His greatness, in, in eternity, accomplishing His great plan, who doesn't need you at all in the slightest, is going to use you anyway. Is that not something worth rejoicing in? Your work that God's given you to do? He's going to use it? My work? Kind of got to laugh, right? That's crazy. Because I see how meaningless my work is. In the grand scheme of things, I mean, but he's going to use it? That's wonderful. And it'll stand for sure. Not your work, his work and what he's accomplishing through us. It'll stand for sure. And so, yeah, we should fear him. Not fear that he will change his mind. He won't. No, he doesn't change his mind. Just stand in awe of what he's doing. He's building his kingdom. Now, right here is where, you know, I could say, just let go and let God. But no, the whole point of this is God is at work, so work. Determine what you're to be doing. What time is it? He's building his kingdom. What time is it? It's time to build with him, isn't it? That's such a joy. And it, and it, and it reconfigures all of our priorities, doesn't it? All of a sudden you realize, oh yeah, this thing that I thought was the point, it's not really the point. There's means to an end, right? 
here some people make the mistake, I guess I'll just quit my job and, you know, everything's pointless except building the kingdom, right? Well, maybe it's time to quit your job. There is a time to take a job and there's a time to quit a job. But don't make the mistake of thinking that he can't use changing diapers, cooking meals, cleaning dishes, going to your nine to five, crunching numbers. All those little things. How could God use that? So what time is it? It's the new year. It's winter. Things have died back. It's the letdown from Christmas and the return to the daily grind of another whole year of work. If God gives you another whole year of work. If God grants us continuing life. So what should you do with this year? What time is it for you in your life? We do go through times, don't we? There's times of having children, and there's times of letting children go. And there's no escaping that. It just happens. But if we're unwilling to let the new time come, ooh, problems. So what time is it in your life? Is it, is it a new year? Is it time for new things? One thing is for sure. It's time to rejoice in the work God has given us to do. Some of us have been putting off certain work until it's long past time to do it. This is often why we make New Year's resolutions, because it's past time to do certain things. Past time. There is an appointed time for everything. The most important word in that phrase is appointed. It drives us back to God. Makes us see that he is the one who is at work in us, through us. So I'm not asking you to make resolutions this year. I'm telling you to answer the question, what has God appointed for me to do now? And then do it. And do it joyfully. And that doesn't mean a big change necessarily. It might mean that the answer to that question is, what God has appointed me to do right now is the same thing I did yesterday, and the day before, and the day before, and the day before, and the day before. And that's what God's appointed for me to do. So, I'm going to do it again. And again. And again. And I'm going to do it with joy. 
Is that crazy? Can, could, we, could we actually be joyful doing the work God has appointed for us to do? We can. Because he is accomplishing his good pleasure through us. And so you can't help but think, well, praise God. He uses these things that feel so pointless, that feel so ephemeral, that feel so repetitive, that feel so meaningless. Well, good. Then I guess they're not meaningless, are they? 